Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 3rd, 2023, and this week's episode, Battle Miami. We'll be talking about the weekend in mixed martial arts, the PFL and Bellator in action. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. The UFC is joining forces with the WWE in what could be an unprecedented partnership. And we'll talk about some fight announcements, Bellator adding to their stack card in Chicago, and featherweights in action in June. And we'll cap it off by talking about this coming Saturday's UFC pay-per-view, UFC 287, and the fight between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya, as well as Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. How you doing, man? I'm feeling pretty good. I know that you've had uh, <laughs> quite the weekend. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, do you want to let fans know how you've been doing? Yeah, yeah. I went to, I took a trip to Sick City, and uh, I don't know, I got some kind of nasty bug uh, over last week. It was, it's actually been pretty long. Uh, I thought I would get better, but then I didn't. And so my voice sounds a little funny, but I'm I'm on the mend now. I got those uh, sweet antibiotics flowing through my system. So I'm ready to rock and roll. I just got my cough chops ready to go in case I, uh, in case I get a cough attack. All right. Well, look, thank you for coming on. I hope you feel better soon. Yeah. Um, we'll keep this nice and sweet then. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, you know, we're going to work backwards. There's obviously been a lot of news. Well, one this morning but obviously since uh, friday saturday so we'll talk about the action then we'll talk about everything that's been going on uh saturday the pfl returned first official event of 2023 challenger series is now officially over so it started off you know the, the guys back in action two defending champions brendan lofnane taking on marlon Moraes, and um natalie I'm not going to say this is as bad as Fedor and Ryan Bader in fe- February. It was pretty close, though. I mean, we knew Marlon was on a skid, but those kicks were accurate. They were violent. They were like a trained hitman breaking apart a human being. Not, you know, for the kill shot, but to, like, torture him for information. They were so precise Marlon, look, he's always in fantastic shape. He's still dangerous. But for crying out loud, that was just brutal what Brendan Lofnane did to that man's legs. Um, that's all she wrote. Second round, it was already beginning of the end before the first ended. But second round, he got the finish. What were your thoughts? Yeah, Brutal's right. And give it to Marlon Marias for coming back into round, coming into round two with just grit and gumption to try and find a finish. You know, adrenaline's pumping, so he's jumping around trying to trying to use his hands to land something. Couldn't do it, but you got to give the man props for that. It's the reverse of what happened to him with Henry Cejudo, right? Where Cejudo was down, his legs were, were getting beat up. He found that extra gear to to finish Marias. Marias tried but couldn't do it to to Brendan. It was a good fight though, man. Brendan Lockman is is a pretty slick fighter, and you know, I don't want to diminish Marlon Marais too much and say that it was an easy night for Brendan because of, you know, Marlon Marais is on the decline. We know that. That's not a secret. Uh, but I think that Brendan is just that good. And Marlon, you know, he, he ate too many leg kicks too early and just couldn't couldn't do anything about it. 
you rarely see a fight called off due to leg strikes. Um, I know we've seen it, but I just can't think of the last time. So uh, well, I will say props to the ref too, because no one wants to get their fight called that way, but Marias looked relieved when it was called. He was in a lot of pain. Um, you know, we'll see what this means for his future at PFL, not because of his performance, but because of the injuries. Uh, we don't know how severe that is. At least I don't. Is there any news on that yet, as far as you know? I do not. It could just be one of those things the night of they hurt. And yeah. it's like, yeah, don't get me wrong. He's probably walking around fine now, but, uh, you know, he's probably going to be sore for the next month or so. Um, but, yeah, it, I think that with Marlon... I try to look at some of these other guys. It's not unheard of that you have like one fight in the tournament and then it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to pursue something else. Because now it's like, remember, it's about the point system. So while you can still fight and have, you know, make your purse, now you have to get a first round finish in the next fight or you're possibly out of the running entirely, right? Yeah. And, and that becomes a real, that, that becomes a real factor. And what's he in it for? Is it worth it? Um, you know, PFL could say, look, you know, do you, if you want to be off our books and take an offer over at BKFC, power to you, you know? Like, uh, if you're at this stage of your career, which PFL has to have acknowledged, they knew he was on a skid. Yeah. The skid has only continued. Um, I don't want to make this the Marlon Marais career funeral, because I do think he's a tough guy, and I think that physically it looks like he's putting in the work. It's just maybe running, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of factors. Time, uh, level of opposition. He hasn't faced scrubs, for crying out loud. Correct. You know, so it's like, okay, you know, a, a little bit of that has to be acknowledged. For Brendan, look like you should as the defending champion. Look forward to seeing him back out there. Um, and yeah, in all, to go back to our point a little bit, not rehash it, it's just nice to see some good talent out there getting their shine because we've been over this UFC as big as they are. Not everyone who maybe deserves the rub gets the rub. And we, we've said this, you know, Brendan Lofnain, uh was dominating his contender series fight. Dana said not interested. Um, guys like Olivia Oben Mercier. You know, released from UFC, now living their best life in PFL. Yeah. Uh, so this is just, you know, once again, it's like we've talked about this. Not everyone necessarily is on the superstar track at UFC. That is not to say that they are bad fighters. They're perfectly high-level guys. Yeah. That UFC, if they're happy with their roster, and I know they are. Awesome. But now the sport is big enough for everybody else, you know— you could still eat somewhere else. And Brendan Lofnay and Olivier, who's fighting in next week, they're eating perfectly fine. So good for them. I think it was a great showcase. Great showcase for the co-main event, Rob Wilkinson. Um, Tiago Santos wasn't completely out of that fight, particularly late. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, like I put it into context. He lost to Jamal Hill, who is now the champion. Right. But then I, uh, I'm i watching this and I'm like, guys, uh, I, I don't know if it's just time. Obviously, the knee injuries from that fight with John Jones, um, it, it just didn't feel like the same guy. It just felt like he was a step behind Rob and, you know, the 
the ending almost felt like a foregone conclusion by the halfway point, if that makes sense. So, uh, good, obviously, great performance for Rob. But my biggest thing was like we talked about it last week: the demise of Tiago Santos. Um, did you have any thoughts on that? I did. You know, I, I want. I didn't feel too much like Tiago was declining as much as I did with Marlon because, I mean, obvious reasons he didn't get finished, but. He had more, you know, he was able to, to take the fight to the third round. And in that round, he looked more like the Tiago that we, we know and love. And that takes a lot of effort, you know, getting your psychologically getting defeated in rounds one and two with the takedowns. That's tough. But look, if you go back and watch, every time he was taken down, he never stopped throwing punches. He was still, Maheta, you know, he was still in there trying to inflict damage on Wilkinson. He just didn't have an answer for the takedowns for being held down against the cage, meaning a, a way to get out of that position. His answer was just, you know, hammer fist wherever he could find the head or the body. So I wasn't too dismayed by Tiago's performance, honestly, especially with the round three and him showing that fire and, and trying to make it a barn burner. So I'm thinking if I'm the PFL, I'm not, cons- I'm not too concerned here. I'm thinking, okay. Santos can probably win his next fight. Like, uh, let me ask you this: Are the are the matchups already? I guess they're it's a tournament, so they're not. No, they're not in a bracket. Yeah, they're yeah. not in a bracket. So they do their matchmaking uh, event to event. Okay, so then I would like to see a little bit of beneficial matchmaking for Santos, just to keep the brand alive. The signing, make this you know to keep the signing valuable. Give him a striker, someone more strike, more striker heavy, just so we can give him a better chance. I, I know, you know, he probably wouldn't want to hear that, and maybe that seems a little bit like cheating, but let's be a little bit generous with our matchmaking because I think he can still do a lot in PFL if they gave him space. Rob Wilkinson was a really hard matchup, um, but but I still liked what I saw. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Marlon, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but, I, I, you know. Leg injuries or not, he he's not looking as good as Tiago Santos is for me in my eyes. No, that's fair enough. Um, look, it, it was obviously one of those nights. You had Movlid Kabulayev returning, the 2021 champion. He was out with an eye injury last year. Um, when I spoke with Brendan before the final uh, last year, he said, oh, I'm looking forward to him coming back. Of course it's a fight I want back because I believe Movlid is the last guy to beat Brendan. So... That just adds to it. Obviously, last year's finalist Bubba Jenkins came in, had a win against uh, the other semifinalist in Chris Wade. So it's like, you know, the, the guys are performing well. They're still at a high level. They're still fighting like the guys who were at the top of this tournament last year. So objectively as competition, all right, there was a lot to take away from that. Once again, Rob kind of illustrates why you know, there's plenty of talent out there too. And he's another guy getting the shine that maybe he wouldn't have gotten in a UFC or something like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Obviously Larissa Pacheco, Julia Budd is on deck this Friday. Um, They're moving. So they're not head to head with UFC, which is just a great idea. So uh, I'm here for it. I like it. Yeah. I want to see Larissa Pacheco and Julia Budd. Yeah. I'm also excited for that one. Yeah, I think that's a great fight. I'm sure there will be a lot of what's going on with Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg talk this week. So I'm here for it. 
Um, to talk about the weekend, Bellator was obviously back in action on Friday. Uh, Daniel James finished Marcelo Gom, just kind of powered through that one at the finish. Big fan of it. And then Katzengano had quite the scrap, but she prevails against Liam McCourt. A lot of ex- you know, just scrambles on the ground, a lot of you know momentum changes. Really good fight for the women. Um, you know, Scott Coker essentially said, we're still in talks with Chris Cyborg. Here's my thing about Katzengano, and just objectively. There's other women out there at 145 for Bellator. There's Arlene Blanco. You'll remember she fought for the title mm-hmm. twice, had the five-rounder with Chris. Um, Sarah Collins, who beat the former Invicta champion on the undercard Friday. There's other featherweights. If Bellator, let's say Chris Cyborg says Bellator, or it kind of like, you're not my boyfriend anymore, but we're still friends, but I'm going to go date somebody new. Um, what is your interest level in what they would do next with a, someone like Kat? Oh, boy, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. She's fighting at 135, right? 45. I mean, sorry, I apologize. Um, because they well, don't have a bantamweight division, ironically. Right, no, right, that's right. Sorry, uh, s- sick brain uh, lapse. Um, like, who's the? Okay, she. Let me ask this: Did you think she won the fight with Liam McCourt, or was it too close to call? Did you have it for her clearly? I did have that competitively, but I thought she. I thought she just had enough of those swings of momentum her way. Yeah, with the knee at the simple. end, like that was pretty. That was pretty, pretty, you know, defining, definitive yeah. for the third round, right? Yeah, it was competitive, but I thought she had it. I thought it was like, you know what, you you got the you got it done, plain and okay. simple. Because you know, I thought she looked good and it was competitive. Does she look great? No, but Katzengano has always been a little bit um slick. Like she's never been a slick striker, right? That's fair to say. Yeah, it's more grit, more more dog in the fight, and that's not a diss because obviously she's done well by it, and so. I kind of feel like you just give her the next big name. You can't wait around for Chris Cyborg and and just see what happens. Like, that's it. I don't, you know, who specifically? Sure, Arlene Blanco, that's a good one. Um, you know, Chris Cyborg, seeing what I saw of Katzengano uh, fighting Liam McCourt, I think Chris Cyborg would beat her pretty handily, honestly, and probably round one or two. Maybe two. Um, <laughs> because be Kat, is, Kat is very tough, man. I mean, we can't take that away from her. Supremely yep. tough. She will not quit. Like, literally will not quit. So, in any case. Um, so, I'm not, like, dying to see that fight anymore. You know, last week, that was the, the main, the best thing, the best matchup Bellator could do in that division. Kat, Cyborg. Should they, should they retain Cyborg at least halfway or all the way? Now I'm thinking, like, let's just build up the division with everybody else. Kat Zingano can be on top of that because she's still the biggest name after Chris Cyborg in that division at Bellator. And let's just get her get her going. And then, you know, one more fight, Arlene Blanco. I can't remember the other person you named. And then that could be a title shot. You can't wait for Cyborg and Bell- Bellator and whoever else she's talking to to get that stuff finished because Kat Zingano's not getting any younger. Like, let's just get the ball rolling. That's what I think. So... 
Uh, okay, so you know how the big joke about the UFC featherweight division, they don't have rankings, they just have a sticker that says Amanda Nunes at the top at Yeah, 45? being champion of that division is like being president of a country with no residents. Like, so, so what, are you, low key, what are you in charge of? Nothing. Low-key, the Bellator rankings don't have a top 10, they have a top 6. Okay. <clears throat> and by the way, one of the, oh, hold on, where'd she go? Um, I was just looking at it. Uh, Pam Sorensen, who is number five, also lost her fight to a girl who is not ranked, but I'm assuming is their number seven now, Sarah Collins. Um, so we talked about the business again, um, not to rehash it, but Cyborg has options. She wants probably a money fight with Katie Taylor, probably trying to secure the bag with a Kayla Harrison PFL pay-per-view. And we talked about it. PFL wants to only sign one check, not two checks. For co-promotion with Bellator, Bellator will tell them you are not co-promoting unless Kayla Harrison fights in Bellator too. PFL probably says we'll find someone else in that scenario. Okay. I look at this and if you tell me Bellator is uh, objectively, I like Kat Zingano, interviewed her, great. Objectively, if you tell me Bellator is about to try to rebuild a division around a 40-year-old contender. I, I, I don't know if I could tell you that I see that. And look, once again, you know, some this has always been the thing at featherweight. Um, it's tough to find featherweights for PFL. A lot yep. of, you know, we've talked about this. Their weights moving up, and it's like, wait, wh- what are we doing? So uh, my point of this is to say that there's options for Kat. You could go Arlene, Sinead Kavanaugh. Um, but really, after this, it's kind of like Bellator. Uh, almost, you know, if Kat Zingano wants to take time off, Bellator should say, Chris, go do your thing with Kayla. Win or lose, we got the spot for you when you come back. Fight Kat Zingano. And to be honest, if Cyborg doesn't fight Kat, legacy is fine. Um... I think that if, honestly, all right, I'm going to say this. Chris Cyborg has two MMA fights left, and I don't care about anything else. Cy, uh, sorry, Kayla and Kat. Yeah, that's fair. If the universe, if we enter a, mo- a different dimension where Amanda Nunes becomes available, maybe. But honestly, those are the only two fights in MMA that even matter. You could make the argument that Kayla's the one, the only one that matters, honestly. I think that um, just because at, at this stage of the game for Katzengano, I think to me, Chris Cyborg could easily move on. This is more on Bellator. What is the long-term future you see at 45 without arguably the GOAT, the 1B in the GOAT conversation of women? So. But yeah, I mean, look, what they go with that, I'm sure we're going to find out in a couple months. I hope they tease it in a, essentially like 48 hours when they have media day. So I hope we get there. Okay. <clears throat> uh, let's recap real quick. Uh, Gamebred Boxing. Anthony Pettis, uh, I'm not going to lie, kind of caught the tail end of it. He was giving Roy Jones Jr. the business. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like if you remember um, Vitor and Bernard Hopkins. Yes, I remember, like yeah. The size and the experience, and it's like, yeah, the age came in, and it was like Pettis, who should have not been in the same weight class back in their prime with Roy Jones, kind of was just running away with it, I felt like. And uh, so 
I mean, great for Pettis, secured the bag. Uh, Vitor Belfort, reminding everyone why he was a striker. Jacare is a jiu-jitsu guy. Knocked him down twice, got the win, secured the bag. Um, Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens fought to a draw. That's the biggest surprise. Um, obviously, Aldo really handled that a few years ago in UFC and MMA. You probably thought on technicality and just sheer miles that Jeremy shouldn't be able to keep up with a guy like Aldo still, and he did. I'm going to leave that in separate conversation. Do you have anything to talk about with Pettis and Vitor? Yeah, Pettis to me looked really good. Now, okay, let's take into account his opponent, a legendary boxer, Roy Jones Jr., one of the best ever, who, you know, was just kind of doing it for funsies. And for, you know, the challenge. And, I mean, if you watch the interview, one of the interviews, he's like, yeah, you know, Showtime. And, and I was always, you know, the Showtime guy in boxing. And it's in Milwaukee. I, I hadn't fought in Milwaukee yet. So why not? Like, the reasons were not in, extremely compelling. But he wanted to just compete. And and it kind of showed. Okay, but not in a terrible way. Anthony Pettis, though, looked really good. I got to tell you, man, I hardly recognized him, you know, all... Uh, well-fed like he was you know like like his face I was like who's that oh man it's Anthony Pettis his hair was longer he looked different he looked great if I'm Anthony Pettis I'm like game bread uh, Masvidal let's do more of these I liked it and I looked good so I hope that he gets more more uh, more matchups in the game bread boxing world Vitor Jacare kind of hard to watch Vitor looked great man he still looks really really good considering his age Jacare was able to stay in the in the game, just no quit attitude. But he was getting he was getting soundly beaten, so that was a little bit hard to watch. Aldo Stevens was surprising because Aldo his boxing has looked so good in the UFC the last couple of years, training with the Brazilian Navy. I thought he was really going to sweet science Jeremy Stevens, you know, out of the ring, but it was. Pretty even, man. Like, Stevens was, he looked sharp. He was finding openings. Um, so, not disappointed with Aldo's performance. More surprised by Stevens' performance. And I wouldn't mind seeing another one of these, like, a, you know, a Aldo Stevens 2, maybe in a year or so. If I'm Floyd Mayweather, taking a, a, a jump to the, the other side here, and I'm watching Jose Aldo's performance, I'm probably like, I don't think I want to fight this guy. Uh, because he's pretty good. Um, so in any case, I hope Aldo does get to make that fight with Mayweather, though, just for the money, just to uh, secure the bag, you know. Uh, last thing I'll say, I really generally enjoy the Game Bread Boxing pay-per-view. I didn't feel bad about paying full price like I love to do for pay-per-views. Um, the commentary team was good. Sean Wheelock, Sean Porter, you know, he was very honest and I appreciated that, he, you know, when it was Pearl Gonzalez and Gina Mazzani fighting, which was a pretty sick brawl, he he found ways to talk about it, uh, you know, diplomatically. Um, but when he saw Aldo and Stevens, he was like, all right, these guys are really trying to do, you know, boxing, sweet science. He was he was really good. I, I enjoyed his commentary watching MMA fighters box. In any case, it was a generally good production. And uh, I would watch another one so props to Masvidal it was good stuff yeah I agree with you I think they put a good show together is Indeed, my biggest man. like it, that, that's what I kept drawing away from it I just didn't know 
uh, I'll say it. I know that Masvidal is popular and all that. I just didn't think he had that kind of cheddar in yeah. the you know in the bank account to sign and pay the guys the way he is. And do I think that they have the resources to do this every week on Fight Pass? No. That being said, okay, if this becomes a once, twice a year thing, on top of just icon fighting with Jorge and all that, by all means, power to him. He has figured it out. He has found that vein and he's got that trust as a promoter and as a brand with the people around him that fighters are saying, yeah, I'll take that opportunity. This is something I want to be a part of. Because goodness knows there's so many options out there. We talk about it. I mean, KSI has this Misfits boxing that I see all over my feed. And I'm like, wait, what? This is a, a you know, everything is out there nowadays. That yep. if For a guy this new at it to have this kind of pull, this kind of, you know, muscle, I think it's great. Um, in terms of the Jose Aldo thing, uh, and I agree with you on the other uh, takes on everything. So... I was excited, like, oh, man, this is great for Aldo if he gets a Floyd Mayweather fight and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, I go back, I see some highlights, and I'm like, you know, I think I let my emotions get a little ahead of me. <laughs> you know, he's saying, I know it'll be an exhibition for him, but not for me. I'm like, um, Jose, just just secure the bag, sir. Let's not... Let's not look the gift horse in the mouth. Um, and, you know, I, I just was like, even old Floyd Mayweather, no. Let's, you know, I was kind of reminded of the levels in boxing. You get what well, I'm saying? Well, that's true. I think Mayweather, with the defense, Aldo, it would kind of be a little bit like McGregor fighting him, where he's just going to try and yeah. land a punch, but Mayweather's going to evade. But I still think Mayweather's like, he's going to, well, maybe he'll take the fight then, because... Aldo, but Aldo's going to come out to, to headhunt, right? And so Mayweather's got to just decide at this point in his life, does he want to take that chance? Um, but, you know, the guy never gets hit. So, yeah, yeah I guess. True. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, if they announce Aldo Mayweather this August, I'm like, you know what? I'm in. Let's go. But yeah, good job. Watching that clip, I was a little bit like, um,. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't have been speaking with quite as much gusto a few look, months man, Aldo, ago. Aldo looked good. He was a little, uh, he had a tight guard, and so maybe yeah. it didn't, the, yeah. So It so wasn't he, the most beautiful display of the movement, maybe, yeah. that I was expecting. And I feel yeah, like that, that's almost what you need with a guy like Floyd. Okay. If you don't have that one-shot guaranteed stopper, you know? That's true. That That's my only thing about it. That's my only thing. I was like... You can't be fighting a Floyd Mayweather like that. Because Floyd is also bigger than Aldo. I think people are forgetting. So I am forgetting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Floyd probably is his sweet spot's around 160. Aldo, probably his sweet spot fighting is a 150-ish. So keep that what, in mind. Do you know what this, weight, what this fight was at? Because in the weigh-ins, they looked really drawn out. Aldo I can't remember. But I feel like, what, were they still trying like maybe 140-ish? 145? Okay. Possibly? Know. I'd have to see that. Um, there was some breaking news last night, this morning. Really? Yeah, something like that. I can't, uh, honestly, I can't scroll. You know how, like, how many swipes, like, up or down? I couldn't yeah. go three swipes without hitting something about it. Or two swipes when I first turned on my phone, to be honest. Um, 
Endeavor, the parent company that owns the UFC and bought them for $4.2 billion in 2016, uh, has reached a deal overnight to now also acquire the WWE. And they have all said that their plan is essentially to merge them into one big sports entertainment company. Now, I, I feel like people are running away with this, so I want to make it clear. The WWE and the UFC are still going to remain two distinctly different smaller companies. However, when you talk about the ownership and stocks and stakes and all this other stuff, they will now be under one big umbrella that is publicly traded. So let's say you have, I'm going to call it Stock X. Not sorry, I, that's shoes. Stock yeah, I know, A stock for X. the <laughs> stock A for the sake of this conversation. Now, if you buy stock, you know stock letter A, it is part WWE and UFC. So you kind of own a stake in both, even though in, as a company they're going to remain two different things. So it's not like Vince McMahon is going to be walking around the UFC apex. Dana White's not going to be in Florida at WWE training. They remain two distinctly different companies. It's just when you talk about the overall like ownership stake, they are now in one big super company owned by another big super company. Does this make sense? Did I explain it quick it enough? It totally makes sense. My okay. only question is, do you think they're going to give them a big, cool super company name? That's what I really wanted, because I would have rather preferred that they say, hey, Endeavor now owns, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a good name. Ultimate uh, Wrestling okay. Entertainment or something. Ultimate Sports. Ultimate Sports, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, like, so now WWE and UFC are now under Ultimate Sports Incorporated, right? Yeah, ooh. Let's say hypothetically. Trademark, double G. There you go, but that's what I mean, is that, it's not like suddenly it's going to be different, but now they are both owned. Now, if you own stock in Ultimate Sports, you own stock of both. Publicly traded, one company is just divided into two smaller ones. The same way Lay's Potato Chips also owns Doritos. They're not two separate companies. They're all under the Frito-Lay brand. That's Wow, you really know your chips, my man. <laughs> you know, I found that out because it's so funny because people are like, no, it's about Doritos. No, it's about Lay's. And I'm like... You got two competing companies. They're owned by the same person. Frito-Lay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's like when you see the two brands fighting on social media, it's essentially they're fighting with each other. Like themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it's all the same guy making money. Anyway, the point of this is to say there's a lot more money about to be tossed around in UFC's direction. Um, which is to bring it back to MMA... I'm not going to start discussing crossover. I'm sure they would love to tease that. But kind of like UFC sold for... In 2016, I think they sold it the Monday after UFC 200. Which is to say, yeah. oh, they're selling it at literally the day when UFC could not be bigger. Right. Wrest WWE just did WrestleMania two days in Los Angeles, so yep. high. Um, All I, I watched it. There. it was oh good. my god, I watched it. It was a fun show. Uh, once again, you you guys know how I feel about pro wrestling. Um, I wish I could enjoy the fakeness of it because I'm pretty sure I'd be one of those guys going crazy over fake slaps. Oh yeah, I really swear. <laughs> it, it it looks like everyone has such a great time. Love it. I think that that's I've always said that's my one thing. I love everything about wrestling, 
except the actual wrestling usually. <laughs> anyway, um, all that is to say that like the company has never been bigger and they're selling when they couldn't have been hotter. They are trending worldwide online on socials. It's huge. Um, I, I, I want to go first. When I think about the impact, I think that now if there's anything we're going to see is probably going to be a little bit of um, the money and companies that get involved in this. So, for example, like like I just said, I was watching WrestleMania. The number of uh, big name advertisers yeah. going through that thing, like, I'm sorry, I did not know they had that many sponsors. It's like the main event sponsored by Intuit TurboTax. And I'm like, Damn, yeah. uh, all of this, you know. You could just get a feeling for how much money was in this. And with respect to the UFC, you know, their two biggest sponsors are, you know, Crypto and Monster Energy. Monster Energy, yeah. They, and now Prime. Yeah, they've obviously been involved with other companies, but you just get the feeling that, like, this could open the door to maybe a little more of the blue chip money coming in. Yeah. I think if you're UFC. And then if I could put anything else from the creative side of it, one thing that I appreciate and that I understand about WWE, it's not just about, hey, can you fly aerodynamically off the top rope? They want people who can talk and promote and this and that. And if you tell me that now there's maybe a little more of an open channel to maybe help some of the fighters who are trying to brand themselves i think this would be huge now the one thing i will say and wwe is very similar to ufc in this way when you're a wwe person they own that name if your name is natalie zamudio and you wrestle under the name nats i couldn't think of some clever i'm sorry Guess what? WWE owns the rights to everything Nats. The shirts. The name. That's a terrible wrestling name. The Come handle. on, WWE. I couldn't think of something, okay? But the fact <laughs> is, everything Nats is owned by WWE. If you leave for another company, you are no longer Nats. Okay? okay. And so one thing is that, like, WWE, I get it. That's how they own. That's how they keep the money where it's at, right? Same way that UFC with the sponsors. There's a lot of money out there, but obviously they keep it all in-house with your Venom, Crypto, Monster, etc. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things is that while you can brand yourself better, I don't know that it'll necessarily lead to more money unless you get the UFC love, main events, spotlights, promotion, flexibility. So there we go. Yeah, that's an interesting... I like what you're saying. I like the way your brain is working there. Because, yeah, what opportunities does that bring to UFC? Is it just like, you know, now we're cousins, and so, you know, let's uh, share let's share clothes or something. I mean, not literally, but, like, yeah, as far as sponsors go, does that in any way open the door for UFC getting... UFC fighters specifically getting more attention, getting access to things? I would say so. Like, you know, Ultimate Sports is going to have, um, you know, what are they? I don't know what they call it for, you know, for, for TV shows. They call it the, um, 
What's the big thing every year where they try to sell? Upfront. What did you say? The, the upfront. Thank you, sir. The upfront. So yeah. there's like an upfront for Ultimate Sports, this new company. That is something that would be really beneficial to to UFC, right? Giving out all your best fighters, highlight reels, showing them what they can, showing these big sponsors that already you have a relationship with from WWE, Endeavor. Like, there is great opportunity here. You're right. Your your brain is working in the right direction. Hopefully, UFC and Endeavor is always is also doing the same thing. Um, because because that would be amazing if they could get the better sneakers. No offense to the Rock, I can't stand those sneakers. Whatever those uh. <laughs> Get some better shoes out there. That would be great. Um, I was surprised to hear, to learn that the UFC is now valued at $12 billion. That was pretty exciting, right? I, from 4.2 and however long ago that was to $12 billion. Uh, props to Conor McGregor for that clever tweet, you know, proper $12 billion. I don't know if you saw that. The, I, I did, I did. <laughs> I thought that was very clever. Uh, the only other thing I'm asking, I'm, I'm wondering about, and you're probably going to roll your eyes. How long will it take to get a Ronda Rousey crossover, to get her back in the UFC, doing something? I don't know what, man. I just want to know, do you think she'll do it? My my guess is no. But is anybody thinking about it? What do you think? You know what? Uh, so here's my one thing about the Ronda Rousey thing. That woman is so flipping content living on her farm and just coming in and you know she wrestles for a minute and then she goes home yeah she feeds her baby she brushes her cows and then yeah and like respectfully like brock lesnar uh, i know last night he was like the first guy up and they said in all honesty brock lesnar may be up in the air on a plane back to canada before roman reigns and them do the main event it's like I think that Ronda Rousey quite bluntly likes to live her life that way. I think that she enjoys being an athlete. I think she knows that this is about generational wealth being in WWE as a brand that she is. But the general consensus that I feel is that Ronda, if it's not going to, if you're not going to give me that payday at that level, probably not going to do it. And just because I think that she actually really loves the fact that she doesn't have as many media obligations. Like, yeah. Respectfully, when was the last time you saw someone sit down for an interview with Rhonda? Never. I don't follow the WWE media scene, but that would have made, I think, a little mainstream, at least MMA noise. I never see it. You, you learn about Rhonda Rousey through her own Instagram and or Travis Brown's like they're they're very open she streams uh, on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. She does her Twitch. I don't know if she still does her judo website where she was like teaching you how to learn judo, but um, she seems to truly, truly love WWE, like wrestling. It's like she finally found the thing she loves where she can be active, doing way crazier stuff than she ever did in UFC um, as far as throwing your body around. And now she's got her baby and this farm. Like the woman seems completely fulfilled and satisfied. I agree with you. I would love to see it. At the very least, I think you'll hear it. Okay, let me put it this way. Because WWE is really good at this. Like when Nikki Bella was dating John Cena and Ronda Rousey had just started, one of the greatest freaking lines ever. She was uh, Nikki Bella or Brie. No, Nikki. Or Brie. I can't remember. Nikki is the more famous one. Nikki's the one that she, she she was dogging Ronda Rousey and she was saying, I'm the one that opened all the doors for the women in wrestling. You didn't do anything. 
and Ronda Rousey on the mic says, the only door you opened is the one to John Cena's bedroom. And it was Ooh. just such a wicked burn, man. No, it's all scripted, right? But I'm sorry, that, that's still hurt. it's fuck, it's freaking, it's freaking wicked. Right. Oh man, that's freaking wicked. Okay. So my point is that if okay, UFC's probably not gonna do anything. But you know WWE's gonna gonna make some noise about it, right? They're gonna be the ones, that's the platform to talk about the UFC and to dog the fighters and probably make fun of Ronda. Like, you know, that's how they that's how they they are with that stuff. So at the very least, we probably will hear about this purchase in the WWE somehow. Um, so I'm excited about this. It's kind of weird. It's a little shocking. But I feel in general like it's a, it's, a, it's a positive move, mostly for UFC, talking about the sponsorships and all that. So in general, I'm on board. Um, and, and as far as the creative stuff goes on WWE, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do. I mean, so I think about this, like... Like with Showtime, like it, they'll promote like Bellator during the boxing and then during Bellator, they're talking about the Showtime boxing, right? I could see like a, particularly because they're all athletes, like a little bit of um, hijinks with the UFC guys having a little spot on WWE to sell a big fight. Not, yeah. no, I mean, UFC fight night, whatever, they're not going to get the WWE no. love. Let's be clear. But big fights, I could see them wanting to do a little bit. Maybe w, the WWE guys having a little bit of screen time at UFC to sell a big pay-per-view. I could see that happening. You know, I, it's one of those things, like, Ronda aside, like, I didn't get to watch it, but I saw there's like a 15-minute sit-down between DC and Brock Lesnar. That's hilarious. I mean, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, bro, it's like, I just want, I don't even want to know what they were talking about on camera. I didn't have time to watch it. I was working all weekend. But I want to know what the camera is off. And I want to see, like, DC say to Brock, like, you couldn't just take the money so we could fight, bro. I know, man. This would have been the biggest payday of my career. And Brock just saying to him, like, I would have had to give up, like, $8 million. Bro, you make 20 this year. Yep. I know, with that setup they had in the ring where he pushed him. I mean, that was just perfect. Yeah. He looks like puss in boots with them cowboy boots. Tucked in, the, yep, tucked I into know. The, the, the slacks tucked in. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. Um, But, you know, it's like they are, there's always room for crossover. But, yeah, to me, that's what I kind of – I'll say this. I know there's a lot of fans who like both. I really do like them to stay separate. Yeah. And, and look, I appreciate, like when Tyson Fury goes over and does the WWE thing, I don't hate it. I think he's great at it. I think there are a bunch of guys in spurts that are probably good at it too because they're very athletic and very entertaining. They get it. I'm going to leave it at this. Not everyone has it, so I don't want everyone trying to do it. And also, if you're a great MMA fighter, that's what I want to see you do. I want to see you yeah. fight MMA. Like, respectfully to the female boxers who have done MMA because they're trying to grow their brand, you don't see Floyd Mayweather acting like he needs to prove to you how good he could be at jiu-jitsu. Why? Because you want to watch him do what he is so freaking amazing at, boxing. That's right. The same way, if you're great at MMA, that's what I want to see you do. If you're great at pro wrestling, that's what I want to see you do. I do not want you guys to try both just for the sake of trying both. You know? Well, yeah, absolutely. One Let's night not only. Do silly crossovers, yeah. Yeah, occasionally, if you have the the chops for it, don't mind it. But I don't want to hear all of you guys every week wanting the WWE thing. I really don't. 
I'll yeah, that's 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 a great point because <clears throat> let's keep these really unique, special, profitable brands separate. Let's keep them rolling, right? Is there room on the periphery? Sure, every periphery uh, and sporadically, yes. I think where the union should really um, occur is like we said at the beginning in the behind the scenes in the office. Let's work on sponsor dollars. Let's work on building up brands. Now that we have these two powerhouses combined on paper, you know, the same checkbook, but on TV, yeah, man, keep them separate unless there's something fun and special you can do once in a while. I'm on board with that. Yeah, so I think that's just where I'm at. Like I said, I'm sure we're going to get a lot more news, but we'll go from there. Um, look, we had some fight announcements. Probably the let's start with the easier one. Corey Anderson against Phil Davis is added to the June. Uh, what is that? 16. Um, Bellator card. Yeah. Corey Anderson just looking to bounce back. I find this fight very interesting because Phil Davis. I think people sleep on the fact of how consistent he's remained throughout his Bellator run. That being said, Corey Anderson looked fantastic leading up to the final. And now it's on Corey Anderson to show, can you recapture that magic or, you know, you never hate to say it, but it's always tough when you see someone, when the bucket of cold water gets thrown on them, can they still bring it back and regain that? And I think that's my big question. Uh, Competitively, they're very similarly styled, big, you know, just very effective wrestlers who now have, you know, more proficiency with their hands. Maybe Corey more so than Phil, but the fact is they're both two of the bigger and better grapplers at 205. Um, And it just, in terms of name value, just adds more power to that June lineup. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. I agree. It's, you know, two still recognizable names. There's value there. They're still strong performers. It's, it's. It's a good a good matchup for Bellator for sure. Yeah. Now you got a that nice little three pack at the top. Love it. Um, Ilya Tapuria against Josh Emmett will be headlining the UFC Fight Night on June seventeenth. I know that Ilya was pushing for a big name in Ortega. You can make the argument it's better for him to get Josh in terms of building towards the title. Josh yeah. obviously coming off the loss for the interim belt. Uh, Ilya. That finish of Bryce Mitchell, still nasty, still just just gave that man the business. Um, Ilya's red hot. Josh is obviously very experienced and a very well-rounded fighter still. To me, this is probably just more about can Ilya break into that conversation? Because you beat a guy like Josh Emmett right now. You put yourself on the list, maybe the winner of Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. While we wait for Mm. Alex and Yair to fight, you know what I mean? I think that's perfect. I think that that's... Particularly, I'll say this. Max Holloway and Arnold fight next week. If Max beats Arnold, if I'm Elia, I have Max Holloway on my list right now. Like, that's who I want if I win it. I think I try to set that one up. Because uh, I think Alex and Yair, that thing could go in a circle. You know, particularly if Yair beats Alex and then... The 155 thing. I just think that there's a lot going on there. You know what I mean? Yep. So if I'm Elia, I see my path to the belt. If I'm Josh, I try to make stuff happen for the belt. So great fight. High stakes for both men. Yeah, I was surprised. Josh Emmett, I guess that's not a super fast turnaround, three months or so. But um, he's getting right back in there, right? He doesn't want to waste any time. So 
He also did get submitted, not knocked out. So, True. you know, the head's probably not as bad as had it been had he taken a head kick and gotten stopped that way. True you that, know? yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. And then, of course, that leads us into this Saturday's pay-per-view. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Natalie. Like, we've had so much stuff going on, like, no UFC, but there was so much combat sports action that, honestly, this is now, like, that, you know, overindulgence of MMA to me. That I'm like, bro, I feel like we just had the last big fight a minute ago. What happened? But this is such a great card, and we're going to talk about this doubleheader. Let's start with Jorge Masvidal against Gilbert Burns. Um, Quite bluntly, Masvidal needs a win. Coming off injury, coming off three losses... Um, he just, he could not be given a better way to either redeem it or to go out. And I don't know if you saw the headline or you watched the countdown, but he even said, if I lose, I mean, I I don't know. Could it be the last one? Completely possible. I think, all right, one, that's enough pressure for anybody Two. The freaking building's going to pop off for him in Miami. You can't have it any better for you to get back on track. Gilbert Burns, what do we need to say about him? Well-rounded, powerful, fast. Ironically, he's one of those guys who's gotten more popular since he lost his title shot against Kamar Usman. Like, he has the fight with uh, Hamzat, and just people went wild for it. They loved him in Brazil. He beat Wonderboy Thompson after the loss with Kamaru. He's in a great spot of his career. And with the new champion in Leon Edwards, you got to think he could also sneak into that conversation. Um, obviously, he's a great fight for guys like Bilal, Colby, etc. So great fight for him too. But for sure, this this one kind of begins and ends. Can Masvidal refine the magic? What about you? Absolutely. It's... it's um... All pressure on Masvidal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and just yeah, you know, let's think about the if he's still gonna stick with the Scarface music, walking out in Miami with music playing, like incredible. It's a lot of pressure. Masvidal, it seems like the kind of guy who doesn't cr- crumble under that kind of pressure, like a- attention from his people, if meaning you know citizens of Miami. If you saw, I don't know if you saw uh, the Brett Okamoto interview where they're driving around in that car. Uh, like, it was recommended. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, it's long. <laughs> I've only seen half of it because it's pretty long. But he's driving through the city, top down, convertible. Okamoto's in the front seat, camera guys in the back, some other guys in the back. And like people from the streets are like, hey, Jorge, like they know him. It, like it's incredible. He's like, you know, the mayor of Miami, right? Or like Miami Dade County. So. We see what, what fighting in your hometown when you're a real hometown guy can do. It can either build you up or hamper you. Think about um, Derek Lewis, right? Never quite works out for him. Jorge Masvidal is a different beast. So I think he will be empowered, energized by being in Miami. He's got to turn his phone off, though, because I'm sure he's going to be getting hit up left and right for tickets and access and interviews and whatever. Maybe that motivates him. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But to the fight specifically, I love Jorge Masvidal. He's done some special things in the cage, but I don't know what he has that's better than what Gilbert Burns has. Like, you know, the grappling's not going to be as good as Gilbert Burns. 
He's got his slick boxing, and he's very clever, creative, evasive when he needs to be. I don't think he has enough power to hurt Gilbert Burns, uh, much less knock him out. So I don't know how Masvidal wins that except by outpointing Burns you know, to decision. As much as I want Masvidal to win in Miami, I think it's going to be Gilbert Burns. But I don't think Gilbert Burns can finish Masvidal you know, the way, the way Kamara Usman did with that killer knockout. So I think we're just going to see a really good scrap that goes to decision with Burns getting his hand raised. And maybe Masvidal walks off into the sunset. If you're going to retire, what better place to do it, right? Well, I think that if if this one doesn't go his way, you got to think after everything he's experienced in his career, enjoyed in his career, it would be hard not to say, well, you know, I didn't get the win, but I did get at least that one night to walk out in Miami for UFC, pay-per-view, all the love, etc. So once again, I agree with you there. Um, Maybe he could stick around to want to get just one more hand raise, but then it starts to be like, well, was it worth it, you know, and all that. And, I mean, we were just talking about it. I mean, look at the opportunities he has going for him. It's great. Yeah. Now, um, with Gilbert Burns, I mean, I saw Gilbert Burns throw down with Hamzat. Uh, I think Gilbert Burns, if he wanted to stand with Jorge, still has a shot. But oh, yeah. if he decides he wants to grapple, uh, we talked about this since the beginning. That could really be what shuts down a guy like Jorge. Jorge is so fast. He's a powerfully built welterweight, uh, which is ironic for being a former 55er. He's fast. He's big. He's strong. It really becomes about, can he get to the right spots? Can he just get that momentum going? Because I do think that if Gilbert gets going early, this is just going to get harder for Masvidal because now you really need to take chances and Remember, Gilbert Burns could take momentum and then start taking you down, and now you just feel like you're lost in the ocean. Yeah. And so I do think for Masvidal, got to get started early, got to get that respect early. Um, not for nothing, how good is your takedown defense? If this is something you've, honest to goodness, been working on since the Colby loss, this is the night that it, you need to show off that work. Yeah. Because if he has that, he puts himself right back in this thing. If he's struggling, then suddenly I expect all of Gilbert's weapons to probably be on display, and that's a tough fight for anybody. Kamaru, Leon, Colby, certainly Jorge. So I think that that's the biggest thing to watch out for. Um, I'm with you. I I actually got Gilbert Burns. Um, You know what? My heart just tells me it's going to be a heartbreaker. Unfortunately, I actually see a second round um, finish for uh, for Gilbert. I think he's going to get the stoppage. You think he's with punches or some kind of? You know what? I see a submission. I think it's going to it's going to kind of follow him down and get the neck after some damage. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You go decision, right? Yeah. It is. I go decision, but it is. It's like. Masvidal is amazing, that run that he had. But, like, when you isolate the, the victories, you know, not taking away from being able to put that move together on Ben Askren in the moment, but, you know, or beating Nate Diaz. But the next level of opponent, he just hasn't been able to crack the code. So, and I don't think he'll be able to do it with Gilbert. And it's disappointing. But, again, let's focus on the positive. He'll be in Miami. Should he choose to re- retire, that's a bomb-ass place to do it. 
Hey, there you go. I'm completely with you there as well. Um, which brings us to the piece de resistance, the rematch, part four, part two in MMA, Israel Adesanya, Alex Pereira. Um, I, I mean, what can you say about this that hasn't already been said? I think the real big, you know, be all end all to this is um, can Alex really? What's how do, I want to phrase this correctly? Can he put it on Adesanya and keep himself out of another repeat situation? Because in three fights, he has not had a blowout win over Adesanya. He's stopped him twice. He's essentially rallied back twice and had a close one once in their contest. He's never just blown the roof off of Adesanya, outclassed him. Um, he's obviously a powerful guy, technical guy, difficult to deal with with all that size. And then for Adesanya... We saw all of his moves on display against Pereira, but probably the biggest thing is also, once again, he's dealing with the same physical attributes. This is a big, powerful guy with one-shot power that can hurt him. And probably most importantly, is adept enough in his striking himself to avoid a lot of the traps that Adesanya gets these guys with. And I think that that's still the same from the last fight, from their kickboxing fights. Could Adesanya look to wrestle some more? Yes. Could Pereira look to defend more on the, you know, the takedowns? Absolutely. But I think that um, I think that the durability of Adesanya is going to be question number one, and then I think that the approach of Pereira is going to be question number two. Is he more aggressive, or does he feel like, hey, just be me, and I could do it again, like I have the last three times? Yeah, if I'm Pereira, I think just be me and I can do it again. Like, think about Shevchenko, Janjacek, like four times, four wins for Shevchenko. I think it's going to be the same. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think it's going to be the same for Pereira. I think he's going to best Adesanya again. The only way for Adesanya to win, and this is probably his strategy, obviously keep your distance and just, you know, outpoint, leg kicks, jab and move, right? And so if Adesanya happens to win this it's going to probably be a, a not very exciting fight to decision just you know non-stop touching Pereira up I don't think he's going to get in there and try to brawl he doesn't want to get close one or two punches from Pereira and that's the beginning of the end we've seen it many times so I think Pereira has every reason to continue with the same same strategy you know you could, like, if I think about Shevchenko Grosso, and the, if they were to have a rematch, I think Shevchenko now knows what Grosso's bringing to the table, which she didn't know before, and she'll prepare better. Pereira already knows Adesanya in and out, and I, I, I don't expect Adesanya to come to the table with anything new as far as skill set. It's just going to be a different strategy. The strategy will be to keep the distance, outpoint, and win. Pereira's going to just focus on coming forward and getting that getting those hands on the face. I think he's going to do it. I don't know what round, maybe, maybe it'll take a little while, maybe round four Pereira TKO Adesanya. Oof. You know what? Uh, I gotta say, I actually like Adesanya okay. for the same reasons that uh, I think everyone did in the last fight for the same reasons that you probably should have in kickboxing. Um, now it becomes about the X factors, right? I, I'm not going to rehash our conversation from November. 
But I do think that now when I think about Adesanya in MMA, now that he's experienced Pereira in MMA, now it's about, okay, what when you're in the gym, outside of your striking, what did you work on? Because is it about the wrestling? Is it about the offensive wrestling? Is it about your boxing? Is it about this? Um, if he, and I do expect him, he didn't get put out cold, but no. even when I look at that fight, he should be able to withstand just as much as he did in November. I don't expect him to be a little more fragile, to you, for want of a better word. What I do think it's going to come down to, how many weapons do you throw at a guy like Pereira? And his... Uh, I'll say that his courage to just go out there and execute him, his courage to just straight up fake the jab and maybe try to blast double right through him. I, uh, Because I think that that's the question. If he could put those weapons together, he's already proven how good he could be before. If he's improved on that game, if he's been the professional that I, I think we've been given the indication that he is, that he is working on his game, that he is trying to leave this as not just I earned a paycheck, but I'm trying to be the best mixed martial artists and make a statement, make a legacy for myself. If he is that guy, like George St. Pierre was, like a lot of these other guys, Demetrius, you know, all of these very well-rounded greats, he should be able to finally figure it out against Pereira. Now, once again, completely get it. If you're Pereira... You should be feeling like all you have to do is exist and you'll defeat Adesanya. Yeah. More or less, right? That's cold. <laughs> I mean, he's done it three times he's before. Three times. You, be- I you just better need to feel exist. <laughs> you better feel that good about your ability to oh, I love it. You know, your ability to figure this man out. Don't get me wrong, he's still got to train, cut yeah, weight. Yeah. Let, let, you know, maybe that was a little too oversimplified. No, man, I love it. Don't don't go don't backpedal. That was great. Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> you know, you get my point. He feels that he should feel like what he has is enough to beat Adesanya. How could he not? Now it's about for Pereira. All right, make uh, almost you got to fight just not to lose because that's worked for you before. And now that could be a risk. And now that's the X factor for him. What? How does he want to approach this? Because d- nobody should be like, oh, I'm just going to wait until the end and I'm going to be aggressive and I'll catch him. Yeah. That is inefficient game planning. So how does he approach it? How does Adesanya do it? I'll say it. I guess my heart just believes in the ability of Adesanya to make those adjustments and get the win. Okay. And I'm going to go... I'm not going to lie. Part of me was about to say third round knockout. (laughs) Just uh, why not? I I think we're going to get a five round decision. Okay. That's good though. I mean, get the belt back and move on with your life. There you go. Yeah. Um, Look, middleweight is going to go crazy on Monday. If uh, Pereira wins, Um, we'll get to that. Obviously we know there's a lot of guys in the wings who probably want it. Who will get it? We'll talk about that on Monday. Um, Natalie, before I let you go, uh, Max Holloway, Arnold Allen coming up soon. What do you think about that for next Saturday? My brain is just on focused on Max Holloway. What's he going to look like? Does he still have, you know, pop in his punches? Is he still got, does he still have the swagger? We know he's been in wars. He doesn't, he only fights in wars, right? He's probably one of the only fighters that's gone the distance more than most, and especially in that division. 
So how is he going to look? Is he still a top guy? I love Max Holloway. I want to see. I want to see a. a I want to see the killer in there. Let's see what happens. I mean, we're going to have a heartbreaker. They're both so nice. Yeah. You, you don't want it to be the beginning of the end for a guy who's been as great as Max Holloway. Exactly. And then after all the stuff Arnold Allen been through, but they're both so freaking good. Someone's got to take that L, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think about. They're both so good, but they're both so nice. So emotionally, it's <laughs> like, oh, this is going to suck. That sounds but like the gonna... great start of a country song. They're both so good, but they're both so nice. Anyway. Anyway, it's going to be a good fight because they're both so good. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's enough um, for the CMA Awards. Tune in next Monday. Um, Cage Side Press, Cage Side uh, Gabriel Gonzalez. Find me on the website. Follow us, like, comment, subscribe. MMA Daily, where you find all of your uh, podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple. Enjoy. Have a great one.